Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash my money health check. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. So a single person spends about £1,851 a month on their household bills. And when that's split between a couple, they're only spending about £991 each. So you can see that there's enormous gulf between the cost of being single and the cost of being in a couple. The discount can seem unfair for the live alone, but make sure you look around to see if you can get extra help if you're struggling. It's the middle of February and like it or loathe it, that means it's Valentine's season. But regardless of whether it's something you celebrate or would rather not lean into, it does give us an excuse to spark the debate around the cost of being single versus being in a couple. According to recent research from financial services firm Hargreaves Lansdowne, being single comes at a big premium, costing an eye-watering £860 more a month. But what's behind this figure and to what extent does society benefit couples and married people. Well, to unpack all of this today and share money-saving advice for both couples and single people where they can along the way, I'm joined by podcast regular, witch journalist Grace Witherden, and from Hargreaves Lansdowne, the head of personal finance, Sarah Coles. Hello both. Hello. Hiya. Sarah, can we get straight to it then? So Hargreaves Lansdowne data says you can put a price on the cost of being single. And that's a huge £860 a month, which is around 10k a year. At a glance then, what's behind this number? Well, it's really to do with how the, the costs of, of typical bills mount up. So if you think of a couple and a single person, there's no, not necessarily any more space that the two people will need because they will need the same number of bedrooms as a single person. Um, so mm. they will tend to have very similar outgoings. But it's it's okay, just a case of the fact that the couple can split it between them both. So a single person spends about um, £1,851 a month on their household bills. And when that's split between a couple, they're only spending about £991 each. So you can see that there's enormous gulf between the cost of being single and the cost of being in a couple. And it's not so surprising then when you compare what you call the financial resilience of single people and couples, that single people are two thirds worse off according to your data. Can you explain what you mean by this? Yeah, so we do this really huge piece of research um, every six months with Oxford Economics. And the way that it looks at it, it pulls number from lots of different um, official sources. So that includes things like the Office for National Statistics Wealth and Assets Survey. And it uses it to model our resilience across five different pillars. And it's got a measure against certain thresholds of resilience. So if you were to take savings, for example, it measures whether or not you've got three months worth of essential spending in an easy access account. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that, then you're not considered to be fully resilient. Right. And so therefore, it kind of gives people a resilient score. Now, when we looked at those figures in January, we discovered that single people were actually much less resilient right across the board. So that's everything from savings and to pensions and investments. So 
on really every single front. And um, they're less likely to have enough cash le left over at the end of the month. They're less likely to have enough emergency savings. So it means that the fact that the cost of living is so much higher for single people means they haven't been able to prepare themselves. So let's get into some of the details then. If we look at our biggest monthly outgoings and household bills, there's one that stands out with a saving for single people. You get 25% off your council tax, which listeners might remember came up in our Ways to Save in 2023 episode last month. Now, I wanted to mention this near the top because as we'll go on to find today, savings for single people are few and far between. But even with this, while yes, it can make a big difference, the downside is that it still leaves someone living on their own, effectively paying 75% of the full amount, which, Grace, is the amount couples would pay and, and even big families. I know it does seem really unfair when you think about it. I was um, mm. looking into this yesterday and I just thought I'd have a look on social media to see if anyone, if anyone else was thinking, oh, why do we only get 25% off and not 50? And loads of people were saying it was really unfair. Mm. Um, but basically, council tax is made up of 50% property tax and 50% residential tax. And you only get the 50% off on the residential portion because that's based on two adults, hence the 25% discount for one adult, which does seem really unfair. But ultimately, like you're not you're not living in half a house. You're, I guess you're living in the same size house as two couples or home or flat or whatever. But it still could be worth looking if you can get other discounts. For example, if you're on a low income, you may be eligible for a council tax reduction of up to 100%. And each local authority has different criteria for who is eligible to claim council tax reduction. So it's definitely worth logging onto your local council website. If you don't know who your local council is, you can find it um, on gov.org by just searching like, uh, who is my who is my local council? And this will obviously, the size of the reduction will depend on factors like your income, your savings, and whether you live alone or with other adults in the same property. Um, there's also, if you're experiencing exceptional hardship for reasons beyond your control, for instance, if you've lost your job, you may qualify for hardship relief to temporarily reduce your council tax bill. The discount can seem unfair, but make sure you look around to see if you can get extra help if you're struggling. And when it comes to discounts on bills for people living by themselves, unfortunately, this does seem to be as far as it goes. There are no single person discounts on any other household bills, are there, like utilities, internet and even subscriptions? No. And uh, I guess they think that maybe if you live alone, you'd be, you know, using less electricity or gas. But as, as Sarah said earlier, often couples don't really use loads more than one person um mm. especially if you know you're having the same meals you're in the same room you know you're not you're not going to use crazy amounts more but you can split it um mm. it's interesting you mentioned about subscription <laughs> subscriptions actually um because they used to sort of be a get around to this um yeah. you know, people would have a netflix maybe w with their friend or with their sister or their, their mum and dad and even if they didn't live in the same address you know you'd share the login um but mm. actually like with netflix we've now seen them begin to crack down on this and I think this is being rolled out in the UK uh, late later this year but obviously it's been well talked about that they're going to crack down on password sharing meaning you'll need to be in the same address um, so a lot a lot of these subscription sites will have um, packages for people that live at the same address um, like a duo um, like Spotify has like a duo membership and that's great mm -hmm. for couples because they can split that in half but obviously not great for single people because the, mm. the package for one person isn't isn't often half the cost. 
but there are still some ways you can save some money. We've done an article on how you can save money on some of your subscriptions. And, and some hacks just involve maybe buying annually or, or um, switching between them. So maybe have Netflix one month and then move to Amazon Prime and then move to Now TV. There's easily ways you can move around each month rather than having to shell out for all of them. And we'll we'll definitely get a link to that article in the description of today's show. And if we look now then at the biggest outgoing for most of us, our mortgage or rent, um, understandably, it's harder if you're looking to buy or rent a loan. Um, On buying, I've got here that according to Halifax, the average deposit put down in 2022 was nearly 62,500 in the UK. And on top of that, there's, there's how much a lender will actually let you borrow based on one set of earnings rather than two. Sarah, are you seeing people being priced out of buying a loan? Well, buying certainly is a stretch, particularly for single people. So at the end mm. of 2022, the UK first time buyer house price to earnings ratio, that was at 5.6%, which is means that it's an incredible stretch for people to buy. Um, we also know that a 20% deposit on a typical first time buyer home is now about 112% of your typical full time employee's income. So you're having to save basically more than a year's worth of salary in order to get onto the onto the property ladder. Um, so it is a really huge leap. And you've got to try and get hold of that entire deposit on your own. And obviously, you don't have anyone to share getting the deposit with. Then, of course, once you're on on that property ladder, you've got to pay the mortgage. Um, And rising mortgage rates means that anyone getting a mortgage, particularly this year, is going to be facing a much bigger challenge because obviously those mortgage payments are going to be even higher. I'm I'm in a relationship, but I, I would certainly feel like before I was in a relationship, I just felt that I would I would never be able to buy um by myself and there are other options like buying with like you could buy with friends or family mm-hmm. but I, I I think you have to oh, really same. really be good friends with someone before you're willing to make that that kind of commitment and 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 obviously not everyone has like a, maybe a sibling that, that, that they would look to, to buy with and I really felt like it would never happen unless I was in a relationship and obviously like that's not a reason to get into a relationship um but like I have single friends who like really are desperate to buy and they they like it's not even like a possibility for them until they either like increase their salary by a lot or have some help um with their deposit i would i would actually say that it's not you know if if people are worried about buying on their own they can look at help from family that doesn't necessarily involve buying with them so um, if you have parents for example who might have some cash but don't necessarily want to give it all to you um, there are um, family mortgages so where they can put that cash up as a as you know some sort of security and they will then get it back once you've sort of shown that you can pay the mortgage for a certain period of time all the stuff like family offset mortgages which basically do the same sort of thing where they're putting it in a savings account which was offset against your mortgage so it's there's not necessarily just that option of you know buying as a couple or or buying on your own there are a few things in between that are are well worth looking at if you're sort of struggling to to make the maths work for yourself the real driver then behind it costing more for single people is is not being able to split the bills but it doesn't stop at household bills either grace another area you've identified in an article you've written for which and again we'll get a link to this in the description of today's show another big one is leisure and travel costs grace i know you've got some really strong examples of this so we're focused on leisure first, but obviously some gyms offer discounted memberships if you sign up with a partner. And there are actually many other types of memberships that suit couples or particularly those that live at the same address. 
For example, National Trust offers an individual membership for £76.80 a year um, or a joint membership for £127.20. Um, so this means that um, the couple would pay £63.60 each, which is less, you know, £13.20 less than the individual membership. Um, and they're not the only ones. Just before this podcast, I was having a look for some more mm. um, and I saw Kew Gardens did a similar one where you can get an adult membership for £84 a year um, or a joint membership for 114 so there's big, you know, it's it's so much cheaper automatically then for, for the couples. Um, couples can also take advantage of a two-together rail card, which cuts the cost of travel by a third on off-peak journeys. So this costs £30 a year. I feel like we're always going on about rail cards on this podcast, but they are a really good way to save money. <laughs> um, but other rail cards do exist for single travellers, but they're usually restricted by age. Um, There's like the 16 to 25, the 26 Mm -hmm. to 30, and there's a few others. And while the two together card isn't restricted to couples, um, you do have to travel with them um, to get the discount. So, you know, it's unlikely that you're going to have a friend that you're always going to be traveling to the same places. I mean, maybe it's worth looking into actually, if you're going on like a holiday together um, where you can make the saving back. Mm. But obviously that kind of card just suits couples and families so much better because, you know, you're probably more than often going to be going on the same trains together. And can the same be said about um, Kew Gardens and the National Trust, which you mentioned a moment ago? Is there a way to get around their joint membership? Could you sign up with with a family member or a friend? Yeah, I, so I checked the website and, and it's two adults at the same address. So this does open up a bit. You could sign up with a housemate or a family member. Um, you don't need to be married or in a couple, but obviously you do need to be living with them. So that does narrow it down quite a bit because, you know, you don't always live with all of your friends. Yeah, I, I suppose it matches the kind of criteria we're seeing elsewhere with sharing subscriptions like Spotify, doesn't it? So how far does this extend to travel costs then? Um, not being able to split the cost of a hotel room with someone else comes at a price. But further than that, we found solo travellers are routinely paying over the odds for package holidays, cruises and coach holidays. Grace, can you tell us more? Yeah, so this was a really good investigation done by our colleagues at Witch Travel, and they found that solo travel travellers, um, you know, are always paying over the odds for package holidays, cruises and coach holidays. Um, they actually found that those travelling alone are often forced to pay this extra sum of money known as a single supplement um, to occupy double room alone. Um, so its investigation found that, say, those that book a package holiday with Tui um, will pay 47% more on average than a person travelling as a pair. Now, that's quite a lot of money. Um, so when Tui's website was checked, they found an all-inclusive holiday to Mallorca. It was £184 per person for a couple, but a single traveller would be charged 1,448 for the same holiday. And that's just one example, but they found a few other examples as well that averaged out. Now, Tui said that the price increases referenced in the report didn't reflect the travelling habits of its customers, um, with most solo travellers travelling outside of peak holidays and choosing single occupancy rooms. Um, But I don't think that's really good enough because I don't think if you're a solo traveller, you should have to travel outside of peak time if you want I know obviously it is a lot cheaper because you're not bound by school holidays but you could be a teacher couldn't you yeah exactly and and there was other examples as well they also looked at some of the other um cruise uh, cruise lines and, uh, and other 
um, holiday companies and it, and it, and it came up a few times and it, it does feel really unfair, um, especially if the place might not have single rooms. And I think that was bearing in mind that this per the solo traveler, it was an all inclusive and they obviously would have had like half the amount of food and drink as well. So it just seemed really bizarre. Can, can we put a, a positive spin on it while we're here? And can you share some of your top traveling tips for saving money? Yeah, so make sure you swerve these single supplements. Um, mm. So some companies will waive them or at least remove them from select trips. Um, so to com- the best way to compare it is to make sure um, you compare the total against the person per price of a couple's package. For cruises, you can book in wave season. Um, so cruise companies tend to offer deals between January and March. Um, so you can keep track of solar price if you see these drop again what we just said about avoiding peak times this is annoying because it's especially not helpful like if you're a teacher and um, if you're not bound by this then you can obviously go whenever and keep your options open because a single room is often a money saver for these days but for cruises a roomier double can work out cheaper for single occupancy so make sure you compare all of the prices before you book so If you're in a couple, we're hearing today you're likely to get a better deal across the board. But I'd like to move on now to another area where actually, in a sense, the same applies, and that's tax. Sarah, can we talk marriage tax allowance first? Because this is effectively a tax break worth over £1,000 that hundreds of thousands of people are missing out on. So the idea is that if you're married or living in a civil partnership, Mm. if one of you doesn't earn enough to pay tax and the other is a basic rate taxpayer, then you can claim this marriage tax allowance. And it means that the lower earner can apply to transfer a tenth of their personal allowance to the higher earner. So it means that higher earner is paying tax on less of their income. And it's no small beer. So this year it will save them um, up to £252. But the first year that you apply, you can backdate that for four years, as long as you qualified for each of those four years. So the saving actually really adds up. And then it'll continue to be applied until your circumstances change and you let them know. Um, But as you say, there's about two million people who qualify who haven't claimed yet. So it's really important that you actually you make a claim if you can. Yes. So if you do think this applies to you or anyone, you know, family or friends, do make sure you apply on the official gov.uk website. Um, And Sarah, this isn't the only way the tax system benefits couples, is it? No, it's not. I mean, the, the the basic way that a lot of these taxes work is that, you know, they assume that if you're, you're a spouse or you're in a civil partnership, then you are planning your finances together. And so this, the tax system set up to allow that. So one of the things that, that, that makes a big difference to people is that if you have assets that produce an income, so that might be investments that produce dividends or it might be, you know, a rental property or something like that, you can pass that between spouses without triggering a tax bill. So if you passed it between people who weren't married, then that would um, trigger a tax bill. And it, that, it means really that couples can share all their assets in a joint way. So they both take advantage of all of their allowances. And then the person who's paying the lower rate of tax can hold the rest and pay a lower rate of tax on it. So it's designed specifically to, in order to make sure that couples can manage things a bit, a bit better. Um, there's also a really big difference when it comes to inheritance tax. And that's something that you see a lot of single people really you know, hitting a bit of a brick wall when they get to inheritance tax. So the way that it you know, works is that um, spouses or civil partners can pass everything to each other. And if you do that, you not only have no inheritance tax to pay, but you also pass your allowance too. So it means that rather than having the sort of um, £325,000 limit, and then possibly the um, residence nil rate rate band on top, taking you to about half a million, um, you can actually, by the time the second person passes away, you can have this allowance of a million. So there's there's a really huge difference there. And it does mean that, you know, if you if you get to the point of, you know, you're, you're 
kind of later in life and you're single, it is really worth looking at having, you know, having to plan and trying to make sure that you use, you know, all the possible gift allowances and all those other possibilities, you know, things like, um, you know, making sure that you've got life insurance written in trust that will pay these taxes. Otherwise, you do end up you know, paying a huge price for being single at that point. And the other thing I've mentioned is um, the the higher tax, the tax charge on higher earners who um, receive child benefits. So the way that that works is when you um, earn over £50,000, you have to start paying your child benefit back. And that applies if anybody in the household is earning £50,000. So, so if you're a single parent and you're earning, earning over that, you start paying it back. Meanwhile, a couple could both be making £49,999 a year and not have to pay anything back. So that, that system is set up very much that benefits couples over single people. That one really doesn't seem fair, does it? I mean, Sarah, it does seem as though the system is set up to incentivise marriage and, and being in a couple. Would you agree with that? Well, it's, it's definitely a choice that's been made. I mean, I, th- I think it's worth bearing in mind that, that this is how most people who are in a couple do live. So, you, you know, you're more likely to be married than unmarried. Um, but there is definitely a political element to this. So when the marriage allowance was introduced in 2015, there was an awful lot of rhetoric around there about, um, you know, the, the belief of the politicians in marriage um, and, you know, this um, sort of feeling that it promoted commitment and responsibility and stability and all these other you know, mm. great catchphrases. So there is definitely a sort of political statement being made alongside, you know, other considerations around the taxes. Now, overall today, then, we've heard so many ways being in a a couple can save you money. But there is also something to be said about the costs of being in a couple, isn't there? You know, the cost of getting married. The wedding website Hitch says the average cost of a wedding in 2022 was a huge £18,400. Then there's things like splitting the cost of things you don't particularly want, you know, a, a sofa you don't particularly like. And dare I say it then, divorce. Yes, I mean, it's it, it's true, you don't have to buy into the great, you know, enormous wedding industry and spend an absolute fortune mm. getting married. But it is really true that one of the most expensive things you can do in life is marry the wrong person, because divorce completely drives a coach and horses through your finances. So, it, you know, whilst there's, you know, lots to be said for um, being in a couple, then there are also downsides. I would also say you don't have to get married in order to sort of struggle with the problems of living in a couple. If you live with someone who's really bad with money, then that comes with a whole host of problems. Mm. You know, they can, especially if you've got your finances linked by having a joint product, it can drag your credit score through the mud. You know, they if you have joint um, accounts together, then they can run up debts in your name. So it's not all sunshine and roses being in a couple. You know, there are still some benefits to being single too. Yeah, I definitely say. And even if you get married, you don't you don't have to get a joint account. I think there are definitely pros and cons of having a, a joint bank account because it is a really straightforward way of of sharing ma- money and managing living costs. But particularly yeah, if one of you's got poor credit history, it's not a good idea to open a joint account. Definitely what we're saying, like if the account goes over join, you're responsible for half the amount owed. One party could take all of the money and you'd have no way of getting it back. So that's definitely something to think about before rushing into. I would I would also say that it's it's really, really important before you get to this stage to have had a conversation about money. Because it's it, people can feel a bit awkward bringing it up early on in a relationship. But if you get this far down the line and you still don't know, you know, what your partner's attitude to money is, whether they've got lots of debts, then then you can end up making decisions that you regret later about how much you've sort of joined your finances. So I would say, you know, most romantic thing in the world, start off really early in the relationship by being upfront about cash. Um, because that way you, you you know where you stand. It doesn't necessarily mean that just because someone's terrible with money that they're, you know, off, you know, off the list. You can still make things work between you, but it's just it's really important to know where you stand. 
A huge thank you to Grace and Sarah for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch us again next week. For more money news and advice, find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. And we also have a free money newsletter which is delivered to your inbox every Monday. To sign up, visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was written by me, Lucia Ariano, produced by me and Rob Lilly and edited by Rob with additional support from Grace Witherden and Matthew Jenkins.